Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm joined in the studio with my co-host, Emily Schiltz. Emily. What up? How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know why? Why? Because today is my birthday. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. 37, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm 25. Thank oh, you. okay. No, You're just really. so mature. I'm you so know? mature for my age. No, 32. 32. I'm lamenting every bit of it. <laughs> when I turned 30, it was like, okay, now it's like the magical year, right? Magical. It, magical. <laughs> Everything's great at 30 is what people yeah. say. You know, everybody yep. step into like your own, right? Well, now I'm looking toward 40 and I'm like, okay, this just going downhill. That's it. Looking toward your 32. I'm 32, though. but that, that's the next milestone is 40 okay. and that's the worst, right? People try to say that 30, 40 is the new 30. No. No. You no. don't think so. I don't think so at all. Do you think you'll think so when you're 40? No, maybe. <laughs> I might try to justify it for myself. Yeah, yeah. But I like wake up, I, I like get out of bed and pull muscles. You know what I mean? Like my body's feeling old. Yeah. So it's just bad. It's yeah. just bad. But hopefully, you know what? Today's going to be a fantastic birthday. Yeah. Lots of celebration happening. Awesome. So I've heard. You, you know what we should talk about? What? We should talk about birthday memories. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There is somebody in our office that likes to celebrate birthday month. Yes. <clears throat> um, <laughs> they do. We will not say that her name. <laughs> Is Megan. Megan. And we will not call her out like that. And she constantly will celebrate birthday month, which that kind of stuff just drives me crazy because it's a birthday. <gasps> Ooh, call it's out. It's not a birth month. It's not birth. You don't celebrate. It's not birth month. It's right. birthday. Yep. But you know, some people to each their own. Right. It is it's what true. it is. Yeah. We also won't tell the listener she's sitting right next to us while we're talking <laughs> about just her. Threw a pin <laughs> just at threw you. a pin at me. <laughs> Favorite birthday memory, Emily? Come okay, on. yeah. So I worked at um, Spring Hill Camps for okay. a while. So four four summers in college, and then two years full time. And so six years in a row, I spent my birthday at camp. Um, but we were always at training. Um, so it was before we had campers and all that stuff. Okay. So my very favorite birthday um, was my twenty second birthday, and Taylor Swift's song was out oh, at that point, right? Man, I hope and she's so, a listener by now. I hope so. I'm sure, T she Swift, heard about we've our seen pop- your house. I saw it or something. I saw the roof, right? I'm sure she heard about our special feature of Taylor Swift on several podcasts ago. I don't remember when that was, but I'm sure she heard about it. Background vocalist Absolutely. I will be the background vocalist. You will. I'm still waiting on that phone call. (laughs) Anyways, continue your story. Um, Yeah. So uh, that song had come out, Taylor Swift's 22. And I was like being, I don't know why, I was being a grumpy Gus. I didn't want anyone to really know it was my birthday because they do this dumb thing where it's like a birthday rap. And so they like bang on pots and pans and it's like so embarrassing. And so I was like, I didn't want to tell anybody that it was my birthday. And then all of a sudden, like my boss, uh, Tony Schmid, shout out, um, like played 22 over the like Uh, dining hall speakers. And it was just a real fun um, I don't know. It was just really fun. I what felt cool celebrated moment. and what it was cool nice. Moment. I mean, it might yeah. as well have been Taylor Swift in person serenading you. I mean, yeah, it was great. It's great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. What about you? Do you have I, a favorite birthday memory? You know, so my parents were, were smart and I didn't realize how smart they were until after the fact thinking about this, but they used to offer me this deal. They'd say, Davey, you can have a party, like a birthday party. Uh-huh. Or you can get $50 cash. Ooh. And they always couched it like $50 was such a big deal. Because right. when you're six that is or a when big you're deal. 10, like it's a big deal. You're That's like, like 
It was fifty dollars. Fifty bucks. That's like fifty Hot Wheels, <laughs> right? So the pr- the problem is, is I would have netted out a lot more value in presents had I had a party. My parents right. were smart because they knew a party was going to cost way more than fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. And but I heard fifty dollars cash, and they always couched it in such a way. It's like, well, you can have a party, or you can have fifty dollars <laughs> cash. Leaving and I'd be it. like, whoa! <laughs> Forget the party. Not doing a party. Parties right. are for losers. I'm doing $50 <laughs> cash, right? Yep. And so I didn't really get a, like, I was, birthdays were so chill for me. They were so, and maybe that's why I struggle with birthday month people. Yeah. You know? Yep. You know, because the birthdays were just really low key for me. <laughs> $50 cash. So I'll just like that's throw $50. All you dollars at, yeah. What? I'm going to celebrate your day. Here's $50. Go. Right. What's funny is to this day, that's like what I give people for. $50. That's really weird. Man, huh. looking forward to my birthday. $50. <laughs> I'm just having an epiphany right now. Yeah. All of this, man, I need to go to counseling about this. <laughs> All of my past is like being un- unearthed right now. Oh, man. $50 birthday gifts. Wow. So uh, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, on the birthday, yeah. we're going to celebrate this awesome podcast yeah. interview with Mike Foster. Yeah. And Mike is just an incredible dude. Um, I got to meet him. Um, again, just like with Allie that we interviewed, mm-hmm. I met Mike when we were in California with Bob Goff cool. at the living room event. And Mike's just one of those guys, like you just love him. Like you, you don't even know him, but you love him because he just has this, this really, uh, likable, contagious nature about him. Mm. Like there's almost like this aura around him yeah. and, and you kind of find out through the interview why it is that he's so lovable because He's so loving. I mean, he's mm. just an incredibly loving dude. Runs an organization called People of a Second Chance. Wow. And um, I think that's just kind of his life story. So I'm so looking forward to you as a listener here in my interview with Mike Foster. It's really awesome. Yeah, I am too. So let's go ahead and hop in um, to interview with Mike Foster. Hey, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, and I'm here with my friend Mike Foster. Mike, awesome to have you here with us. Great to be here. We're here in this wonderful city of Kansas City, the city of Kansas City. Have you been able to explore Kansas City at all over here? I have had some amazing barbecue in Kansas City. That's what they say Kansas City is known for. Like... It's pretty good. Is it? Can it, you attest to the fact that like, that's what it's touted? Can you attest that that's... Where's the Bible? I need to put my hand on the Bible, <laughs> and I solemnly swear Kansas City has some amazing, incredible barbecue. We're going to have to try it. We just flew in, and so we have not been able to try out the barbecue. That's what I hear. And I grew up in, in Alabama, oh. and so Tuscaloosa, Alabama is where I graduated high school in Tuscaloosa, and so they have a, a barbecue place called Dreamland Barbecue which is always featured on like game day and stuff, you know, and, you know, they roll into town. <laughs> so I'm going to have trouble believing yes. that Kansas City barbecue can in any way match that until we try it out. So Well, we're... try it. Um, you know, just be open. Okay, that's all we ask. Uh, be open <laughs> to wherever God leads you oh, in terms man. of your favorite type of barbecue. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, Mike, it's great to have you. On, and I'm, I'm just, this is an honor to be able to just sit here and talk to you about mm-hmm. this and talk about your story and, 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 and stories of brokenness and redemption and, and how all that plays in. And so why don't, why don't you just start and tell the, the listener a little bit about who you are, your background, where you came from? Yeah. So I, I lead an organization called People of the Second Chance uh, at secondchance.org. And um, really my, my whole purpose in life is just to help people with their not-so-perfect stories. Mm. And I think probably everybody listening has 
parts of their life or their story that um, didn't go the way they thought it would go. Yeah. And so I, I create uh, resources and write books and, and group curriculum that actually helps individuals process some of that painful mm-hmm. stuff. And whether it's loss or um, you know, seasons of addiction or a messy divorce or uh, childhood trauma or abuse, um, yeah. you know, my, my ultimate belief in our, our life and, and our whole purpose on the planet is really to take that stuff that, that hurt and really turn it into uh, something that has meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I really, I, I actually just, I believe I got the greatest job in the world yeah. because I see people having breakthrough and thriving mm. again after years of just feeling trapped or in bondage by the pain. Wow. Wow. So, you know, obviously <laughs> getting into that kind of work is not a, a venture that comes out of perfection. <laughs> it's usually, it's, yeah. as I've discovered, it's like, okay, you all of a sudden, because of your own story that went awry or a, in a way that you didn't plan, you got into helping other people Absolutely. with theirs. To talk a little bit about some of your stories or the the things in your life that, um, you know, and you can be as real and as raw or as pulled back as you want, but I know you're the raw guy. So <laughs> Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, you it's, just, yeah, talk a little bit about your story and what got you into this work. Yeah, I I think that's just so spot on. I think the things that we do and the... Um, often flow from our pain. And I, I really want to practice what I preach. Like I literally want to mm. leverage my setbacks. Mm. And I truly believe that it, it's my the setbacks in my story that give me my superpowers today. Yeah. And so for me, um, you know, literally it started early on as a child uh, being sexually abused mm. by a family friend. And Anybody who has experienced any type of abuse, whether it's sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse as a child, that, that is literally like a, a nuclear bomb going off yeah. in your life and in your story. And I remember just as a kid trying to process that, the confusion around that, mm. the shame around that, the, uh, the secrets around mm. that. Mm-hmm. And so you, we we learn how to do life as children, right? Like Mm -hmm. we figure out how the world works as children. So when you have um, sort of this this unsafe thing happen Mm -hmm. to you and this traumatic thing happen to you and this kind of horrific thing happen to you, you start figuring out how to make life work. Mm -hmm. And out of that came, again, a lot of shame and it led me to uh, a lot of, um, out of the shame, uh, flowed a lot of perfectionism and mm. performance and trying to earn love and be good. Uh, and one of the things that, one of the sad things about it was um, we never really talked about it as a family. And so yeah. I had no way to sort of process. I just kind of learned, well, when bad things happen, you just kind of move on. Right. And you, wow. you gut it out. And um, another thing, you know, another thing that happened in my life that um, you know, I write about in, in my book is this, I was involved in a, a very serious boating accident on the Colorado River where I was driving a powerboat and uh, I turned the boat into what I thought was going to be clear water and mm. I was, thought I was making a safe turn, but there was another skier who had fallen in the water and I ran, I literally ran over the top of him with this powerboat and the propeller of the boat 
he went to the skier went to kind of hold up his arm to protect himself yeah. from the impact. Yeah. And so the propeller of the boat ran down his arm and literally broke off in his head. I nearly killed him. He was, oh my gosh. it was a horrific accident. They medevac him to the hospital. Jeez. It was, it was just, and so, you know, he survived, but, um, you know, he'd be permanently disfigured. Uh, and I just, you know, I'm a 19 year old kid. So I'm going, and, and there's no, you, you've probably experienced yeah. this. There's no, like, there's no playbook for yeah, this. Yeah, no manual for No manual. Like, are you so, how, how you, sad you, are you, you supposed to be? What are you supposed to do? Like, and pick up a book that says what happens when you, you <laughs> yes. know, run over somebody with a power. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And so you're left with a lot of questions and uh, you're looking for that redo button or mm. that erase button. You're like, there's no erase button to be found. You're just left with sort of this this thing of you know, that you've done. And I, 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 even though it was an accident, complete accident, there's no alcohol involved. There's no, it was just a freak accident, but I still felt fully responsible right. for what right. I did. And so, you know, I've had, uh, later on in life, I'd, I'd be, uh, you know, betrayed by a friend in a pretty mm. horrific way. And, and I, you know, I put out a book that, uh, I literally have a banned book out there that got caught up in his, some controversy and and I was sort of labeled a lot of ugly things for a while. And just, I think life is just full of these moments yeah. where you hit rock bottom and you go like, what, what does this mean, God? And what it like, what am I supposed to do with this? And mm. it's, um, it's out of that, those moments that I really have found kind of the strength in this, authority to actually speak yeah. about pain that I never would have had without any of those mm -hmm. moments. Man. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that you said your, your struggle is kind of the thing that gives you your quote unquote superpowers. Mm -hmm. I think when we start out in life, we think that it's going to be our talent or our yeah. gift or mm -hmm. our, that like, that's the thing that's going to make us stand out to the world and I mean, that's the culture we live in. It's like, it just, in, it indoctrinates us into that. And, and, and what's so crazy is in God's economy, I found it's not our gift or our talent that is used. You look all through scripture and you see all these people who are broken mm. and yet God is inviting them into this partnership to, to do a redemptive work in his kingdom. And he's, and he's using the people that the world has discarded as, you know, uh, ab abandoned or, or broken or used goods or, you mm. know, that the world is labeled that they'd never be able to, you know, nothing, nothing would could, good could ever come from them. Yeah. And so it's just amazing to me that it's, it's always out of, it seems the brokenness, always out of the ashes Yes, that God builds something great. And, you know, that what's fascinating about what you, so you just shared a couple stories there. You share those in the book, which, mm -hmm. We'll talk about the book in a little bit toward the end of the podcast, but incredible. I mean, I just, I mean, I just kept a page turning. When, but when you got to the part where you talked about the untold story, the story you didn't want to tell mm -hmm. about um, sexual abuse as a, as a kid, I mean, yeah. I was just like shocked. Like it just kind of, boom, it just kind of how raw you were with that. And so, um, but you, but you've got kind of two different stories or two different types of stories. One that is kind of a pain that, that you, it was almost self-inflicted, even though it was mm -hmm. an accident. It was like yeah. something you did. Yeah, I was the perpetrator. You were the perpetrator. Yeah. And then one where you were the victim. Mm -hmm. 
have you know, how have you seen that kind of the difference or even the parallel nature of those two things? Um, yeah. well, and then as you interact with other people as well, who have gone through each one of those types of pain, and sometimes you're a victim and then you become a perpetrator because mm-hmm. of it. What are the nuances that flow within those two things? Yeah. Wow. That is such a great question. I, sitting in both seats and and working with both victims and perpetrators Mm -hmm. just in terms of the work that I do, I actually find that there's more similarities than differences. Mm -hmm. There's just maybe a different event that has led to sort of the situation and sort of the, um, you know, the things that we're sitting with and having to deal with. But there, there is this the sense of, you know, whether you de- drown in three feet of water or 30 feet of water, mm. you still drown. Yep. And wow. I wow. think there's, all of us are dealing with these unresolved things, these things that we wish um, didn't happen or, may, you know, I work with a lot of perpetrators and, and th- most pe- most of them that I know wish they could undo what they did. Yeah. But there's no going back, right? There's no, I, I call them toothpaste moments where the toothpaste comes squirting out of the tube, but no matter how hard you try, that toothpaste is not going out of the tube. Mm. I'm sure even just with your stories, think, rethinking, oh, yeah. like if I would have done something different. Over and over or, and over. All that sort of yep. stuff. And that there's so much unresolved in our stories. And that's where really where the grace of God has to rush yeah. in. Mm. Because there are no answers um, right. in terms of many of our questions, and uh, many of the questions don't get answered till the other side of of this life. Right. Um, and so, uh, to me, the it, it's just pain. It's just it's living in a broken world. Mm. It's living a human story, and whatever the causes or whatever the the reason for that pain, the solution to me is is always the same. It is. It is letting God's love rush into the the darkness and the brokenness yeah. and the confusion, because there there are no easy answers and, oh, yeah. and there's just so much that just sort of sits there like a big thud. And I, I know, like, I think about the boating story, and I write share about this in the book. Like a lot of people imagine that story, like, well, the the ending of that story should be me eventually meeting the skier right. and we're, us having this beautiful moment where he forgives me and I say, I'm sorry. And we hug and cry and, and sort of this resolution. There was none of that. Wow. There is no resolution to that story. In fact, I never saw the skier again, except mm. in the water, like lawyers get involved and sort of there's a separation and he didn't want to see me. And, and so like, there's no happy ending yeah, here. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a lot of times like I, I teach um, I teach a lot about uh, uh, loss and irreplaceable loss that happens in our mm. story and death moments like where something right. literally dies. Not, um, like, and it could be the death of a marriage, a death right. of a dream, a death of a business, death of innocence. Mm-hmm. But it's not coming back we, no yeah. matter how mm-hmm. hard we try. And so... And that's not a very popular idea. Like no, we want to be able to fix things. We oh, want yeah. to get get the things that were lost to come back. And that's unfortunately, um, you know, God actually wants to use those moments and say, like, will you really trust me wow. with the irreplaceable loss? Yep. And those moments that land like a thud. Yeah. You don't have the happy ending. Mm. Well, Jesus, like you know, Jesus said, uh, unless 
a, a single grain falls to the ground and dies, mm-hmm. it remains a single grain yes. or a single seed. Yes. But if it dies, then it bears this this harvest, this tree of righteousness that can that can be a blessing to other people. And I think it's, you know, for me, I feel like you don't get that verse until you have some of those those death of something moments. Mm-hmm. Whatever the degree is. It's like it doesn't make any sense because death is something that you're trying to run as far away from as you can. You mm-hmm. want things to live, have life yeah. and be vibrant. And it's like, you know, there's this up and to the right all the time in life. <laughs> right. But it's like they're really the only true fruit that can come out of life is with is with loss, is with death, mm-hmm. is with like this this death of 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 death to ourselves and you know, coming back alive then with the things of God and what the, the story he wants to write. Uh, there's this uh, uh, interesting scientific thing about that I, I read about recently where it says that our bodies contain gold, like real gold. So like literally really? we, <laughs> you know, we can harvest this gold and, and take it down to the bank. And, We're and, actually and, alchemists then. I mean, yeah, we, <laughs> we get some cash for our gold, right? <laughs> right? But, you know, it's trace elements. But in this this article I was reading, it says that the, the greatest concentration of the gold is actually in our heart. Hmm. Right? And I think that's just a beautiful metaphor like it isn't until our like our heart is broken yeah that the gold can be released right yeah and what i found in my own story is that because of my brokenness because of my broken heart it has given me new levels of empathy mm. and compassion yep. and understanding for people's pain yep. that that never would have happened unless my heart was broken mm-hmm. open and right. so it, to your point it's like the seed can't become a harvest until it's cracked. Right. Until it's it's you know, that's the way the the gold comes out. That's wow. how the life comes out. And unfortunately, we we kind of have these two options, right? Where we can allow the the gold to be used for God's kingdom and yeah. and to have this harvest and to use these these unfair advantages to help others, or we can choose sort of the the bitter yeah angry self-pity path and and I see people make both those right. choices absolutely and I actually understand both those choices oh, absolutely but it's like man this this path of saying all right let's turn our setbacks into our super yeah powers. let's let's see how we can turn this really devastating moment and use it to help heal the world yeah yeah what do, do you see like common denominators in the folks who choose to go one way as opposed to the folks who, so the folks that choose to Mm -hmm. find redemption in it, to seek after like, how do I, how do I find meaning in my struggle? And then the folks who turn to bitterness, Mm -hmm. turn to depression, because I feel it like I see the temptation in myself even for both roads. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, walking in, I feel like Prior to prior to Amanda's death, as a pastor, I was sympathetic toward pain, but right. now I'm empathetic toward it. Yes. So so I can even look at someone and go, I can see totally why they walked down that road because I felt that struggle inside of me too. Mm. And and I I guess I've been on this kind of constant search of like what is what is it what are the makings of the person who went this way and chose to not let their pain define them, yep. but instead refine them. 
and, and then the person who went this way and got bitter, you know, so the person who went better, the person who got bitter. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a, a, some yeah. a key elements there? I, I, you know, for me, I think there, there's definitely some key elements, one of them being community. Wow. Yeah. I, I think the people who, who choose to flourish and mm-hmm. choose to leverage the pain have had some strategic people around them to cheerlead and encourage yep. and stand with and to call out the possibility in their life Wow! versus those who chose bitterness and uh, kind of the victim mindset, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tend to be much more isolated mm. or to have people around them that sort of validate that choice. Yeah, right? yeah. And so it's that whole... Kind of like Job's friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? yeah. exactly. You know, it's that, that whole saying, we are the average of the five people we hang around right. the most. And so, you know, the fact, I, I would imagine the fact of why your life is the way it is mm-hmm. and the way of your response to Amanda's death has has uh, has been greatly impacted by those yep, uh, you surrounded yourself with. Yep, and who and who just kind of stepped in and said, yes. "Hey, let me take you under my wing." Yeah, you know, I mean, we're here with Bob Goff, and he was one of those guys yep. that was just like, "Hey, out of nowhere, for no reason, he didn't know me from Adam," said, "Hey." Let me help you. Let me kind of call out the possibilities. Of this. Yes. So you're absolutely right. Yes. Wow. And just I, and I think in terms of um, if we want to help people in those mm-hmm. moments, when we help people choose uh, God's ultimate plan for their life through their pain, it is just really reminding them who they are. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that that happens with trauma and, and pain is that it creates a sort of fog of war, right? This, right. this confusion around right who we are and what our future looks like. And we, we let, we make a, um, we make a very sort of permanent decision about what our life's going to look like based, you know, when we're in absolute chaos. Right. And so friends help us kind of anchor in reality, remind us who we are, help blow away some of the fog of confusion that happens, which is very natural, uh, in those moments. And, and so it's just, you know, surround yourself with people yeah. who who see the pathway forward and not sort of uh, validate you know the the self pity or the, right. the being re victimized over and over again right. by the the event. Right, and sometimes that means I think people who are much older than you and wiser who have mm-hmm. walked through life experience and who can kind of go, hey, you know, I th- this really does this this sucks this yeah. sucks what you're going through, but I've also seen this before. You know, and, I, and I've seen how you could go down this road, you can go down this road. And just something about that wisdom mm-hmm. of having traversed that, you know, that, that they, can, they can speak into that situation based on their experience. Yes. I always coach really people to say, like, don't ma- sometimes you actually have to hand the decision over to somebody else, mm. like a wiser brother, a, right. an elder, somebody who's like, because if you make the decision, it's probably not going to be the best decision. Right. It's going to be tainted by your own pain. Or, you know, if I can hand the decision over to someone that I trust, somebody who I know loves me, cares about me, um, you know, that that's actually a pretty good strategy. If you know that, the, you know, like a bot, I would I would trust Bob mm-hmm. to make the decision probably more than I would trust myself to make a decision mm-hmm. when I'm in trauma or pain. Yeah. All right, so one of the things uh, about, especially the, the, the story that you tell in 
the book about your, your sexual abuse of your childhood. Mm-hmm. You talk about the untold stories because I yeah. imagine, right, as, just as you were saying, you've got these things that happen to you. You're, you're questioning who you are. You're, you know, we can talk in a second about all those identity crises that happen. But um, you, you hang on to You don't know how to process it, so you kind of hang on to these untold stories, and then you don't want to tell them. Talk about that concept a little bit and, and, and how to, how to kind of get free yeah. from that. Well, it, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm, I speak, I write, I am you know talk at churches, and there's parts of my story that I was comfortable sharing with. Like yeah. talking about the boating story, I, I don't have a lot. You know, I, I share with that pretty openly about it. But as I was writing the book, I realized like there is an untold story here mm. that literally at the time, probably about five people on the planet knew about. Wow. Um, one of them was my wife. One of them was um, you know, my parents. That's three. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I like there's still something that that is um, holding me captive. Mm. Something, some part of my heart and my life and my story that's out of bounds and, and, um, unseen. Yeah. And I really think this is, this is the, the deeper work of our spiritual walk and the deeper part of really true surrender to God is when we look at like that thing that maybe is loaded up with a lot of shame or a lot of fear, Mm. that secret that we go like, yeah, but not that I can't go there. Wow. And it isn't until we sort of push into that space that we actually find true freedom. Mm. And what's interesting is I would teach this, right? Oh, yeah. You, you talk about your stories. There's, there's like, you're dark and you're light. You're, your past is, is heal, can be healed and leveraged and all. I was like saying all the right things, but it was still something even mm. in my own story where I feel like I d- I've done a lot of work, a lot of in my life and training, and I knew in my head, you know, how to really experience freedom, but I was scared. Yeah. And that's, that's what the enemy loves to do. Mm. He, he loves for us to, to experience about 90% of freedom. Wow. 90% of God's love, 90% of God's grace. But, but it isn't until we sort of completely surrender it all. When we do that, man, I, I can tell you, I am a free man. Yeah. I can tell you, I have nothing to hide. And when you live that way and you have surrendered your entire story, the un, even the untold story like mm-hmm. sexual abuse, it, it's in that place where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm actually stepping into real God's power and God's like, he, he brings me to this new place where um, of, of effectiveness. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if I'm holding back, it's like 90% freedom. Wow. And, and the, here's the other thing I, I write about this a, a lot is that like literally just getting the first few words out, like mm. as we say the words, like freedom just like comes. Like rushes out. Rushes in. And all of a sudden, mm. like all the chains, all the bondage, all the captivity, all the fear just begins to be released. Wow. But we have to say the words. Yeah. We have to share the untold story. Wow, did you could could you identify like you said that you were afraid to? Mm-hmm. What was the fear? Like what was yeah. up underneath that, that? Yeah, you know, there's there was a couple. I think the the big one for me was um, I had a picture of who Mike Foster was. I you know an author, a pastor, 
good guy. Okay, the boating accident thing. I had sort of this visual of what I wanted to be known for and yeah. what I wanted to be looked at. And so, again, this is such like the, the enemy's plan for us. I believe that if I told the untold story about the sexual abuse, that all of a sudden that would be the defining thing about who I was. Wow. And so now I'm going to spend the rest of my life talking about this thing. thing. And I didn't want to talk about this thing. Wow. Um, So I think there's this sort of overreaching where we go like, if I share this, this is going to be the the thing. It's going to be the brand now. It's going to be... This is who Mike Foster is. This is who Mike Foster is. And he's not any any of these other pieces. He's he's just this. And I was afraid of that. Um, And whether it was a rational fear or an irrational fear, it was a real fear. Right. Um, the other thing, and I think we do this a lot, I actually felt in terms of um, the, that it wasn't, it wasn't relevant, mm. that I had sort of quietly dealt with it in my heart and just kind of worked it out of my head and kind of had this little agreement, like this, is, this little part's off, off limits. And so sort of made this deal like, oh, I'm good. I told myself I'm good. Right. But I knew I wasn't good. Yeah. I knew that there was something that hadn't hadn't been surrendered, something that was actually this shame engine. Because out of that that abuse and out of that trauma, I I it, it fed the perfectionism, mm. it fed the performance, it it fed sort of this people pleasing right. that was really dysfunctional. Kind of a cover up is what it was. It was, was. Yeah, up. That's all yeah. it was. Because again, it's that whole I think the reason why we don't share the untold stories is because we fear rejection. Mm. We fear not being welcomed in anymore. That oh, yeah. Somehow we've got a scarlet letter on us because of the thing, whatever the untold story is. Yeah. Um, and that's the power of the church, right? And that's the power of a radical grace community uh-huh. because that when we accept people and we love people in a, in a radical, non-judgmental way, right. you actually break that belief that... You, you're unacceptable. Like when you accept me, Davey, yeah. when you say like, Hey, um, I love you just the way you are. Come be my friend. There's right. nothing you could say or do that make me love you less. Like when you, when you communicate those things, that's breaking that belief inside of me that says I'm unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the power of radical grace. Not only, um, the radical grace that we show each other, but, but really the power of God's radical grace. Yeah. Like the, the creator who created you loves you just the way mm. You are. Wow. That's, I mean, to me, that's... Because I actually feel like I could do my work divorced of the gospel. Mm. I could easily, like, I, there's techniques and strategies and there's things that, uh, you know, just go do this and, and it would probably would help. Right. But I actually believe the gospel and what the relationship that Jesus has with us and wants with us and the relationship that he wants us to have with each other is the pathway to right. true freedom. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up this, this really interesting point. You talk about it a little bit in the book, you know, when you talk about those prodigal parties. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I remember hearing Andy Stanley say this, and it just like stuck out with me that, that we in the church, for some reason we have trouble with these two words and differentiating the two, acceptance and approval. Mm-hmm. Right? So we say, well, I don't approve of what you're doing and so, therefore, we don't accept people. And there's yeah. a drastic difference between those things. You yeah. can accept and love and welcome without approving of a lifestyle or approving of a certain behavior and then love them into transformation, right? Yeah. And so you talk a little bit about this concept without exactly talking about the concept with 
these prodigal parties. Explain a little bit about what that is. Yeah. So one of the things we, we do at uh, People of Second Chance, we, we throw parties, just like literally parties <laughs> for inmates uh, getting out of prison. And it's our, our way of reminding them that they have value and dignity and worth and that they are not just a number. They're not their crime. They're not their worst moment. Um, and they're coming from a system where, you know, all sense of identity has been stripped away. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've just been, been, they're nothing or they're a threat to society or they have right. some really negative label attached to them. Right. Uh, and so what we do at the parties is, you know, it's balloons and cake and a meal and the Macarena. And, <laughs> you know, it's literally, and we, we, pr- we pray for them, but it's not really a religious thing per se. It's literally a celebration yeah. of a second chance. And I was, you know, people have asked me and they go, well, that's nice, Mike. I guess those parties are, that's, that's cool. But does that really do anything? Does that mm. make any difference? And here's what, you, the God, the gospel talks about this and the Bible talks about this where uh, you part, party and the idea of a party was yeah. s- so central to Jesus's oh, yeah. teachings and well, the prodigal Yeah, son. his teachings and then he always seemed to show up at the party. He always showed up <laughs> at the know, party. Like Matthew 10, like Levi, Matthew, the tax collector, invites him to the party of all the tax collectors, yes. you know? And so there must be something about yeah. it. There must be like... Uh, a pathway to the most core things about uh, being reminded that we are accepted and loved mm. and matter and and celebration, uh, even when things are hard or maybe right. when you know, it's not sort of a we're not divorcing ourselves from some of the other factors that you know that the fact that okay you you committed this crime right right, right. that happened. And there's consequences to that right. in your life. But there's also the power of saying, okay, you served your time. Let's, let's, let's start you off right mm, by surrounding yeah. you with, with positive community, calling out the gifts and strengths. So we, one of the, we did a party for a guy named Willis. And, um, you know, he shared, he, he grew up uh, in a really rough neighborhood mm. and he, he loved to write and he loved telling stories, but that wasn't a cool thing to do in, mm-hmm. in the, his neighborhood. In fact, it was, you know, education was frowned upon and it was sort of like, and he, we usually have whoever we're throwing the party for, we have them share a little about their dreams. Right. Like, what are your dreams? And he goes, man, I just want to write books. I want to um, write stories. And I never, um, I've n- never been able to do that. And I want to do that now. And I told him, I said, Hey man, I, you write your first book. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy a hundred copies. Like mm. just, but that's what we want to do is like call out, yeah, those things in people versus label them right. or uh, define them a certain way. Um, yeah, and our justice system is very complicated. Yeah. I mean, you're you're dealing with that right. in your your life right now. It's just it's complicated. It's it's. Um, but I think as Christians, we're called to work towards restoration of people, right. um, getting back to um, finding the good and the possibility in people. Because, you know, Richard Rohr, I love Richard Rohr's writing, and he, he says this, we either learn to transform our pain or we're going to transfer our pain. Oh, wow. And I think, um, uh, and you, you that, that whole saying, you repeat what you don't repair, 
I mm. think most people that I know who are making really poor choices mm-hmm. in their lives is just a transferring of their pain yep, in, it. versus let's help them transform this. Wow. And usually it's family of origin stuff. Usually right. it begins early on in life. Um, and so, wow, what a powerful picture of the church and Christianity where we say, hey, listen, we're going to, we're going to, let's do the work here. Let's help you yep. get on the right path. And it begins with a party. Right. Well, you've heard the, the phrase hurt people, hurt people. Yes. Right. There's that yes. transference. But also, hurt people can heal people too. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, out of, out of like, you know, brokenness, you, and I think you even talk, I can't remember the phrase that you, that you used in the book, but essentially, you know, it's out of, it's out of that brokenness that we're able to really help be a blessing to other people if we choose it. And so kind of, I love what, what you're doing is you're trying to with, especially with these guys and gals who are being reintroduced back into society after serving time in prison, they're, you're saying, hey, instead of going down the route of transferring that pain and hurting others, let's let's have this story paint. Let's do a different story here mm-hmm. of of helping people. Yeah. And what a what a powerful thing. So I'm I'm sure you're having to work a lot. And I think this is another thing you really hit on is these identity issues and reshaping those identity issues, how vital is that to, you know, someone, if someone's listening to this right now and they're, they're like, man, I've just gone through a really tough trial or struggle, or man, I feel like my whole life has been that. What would you encourage them to do when it comes to how do you, how do you tap into like this identity issue at the core of who yeah. you are? How do you discover that? How do you reshape that? What does that look like? Well, I always say this, that if you have a broken identity, you have a broken life. Mm. And so to me, this understanding of who we are and our identity is core. And I, honestly, I, I believe that's that's the teachings of Jesus. He came to remind us who we are right. and remind us of the relationship that God wants with us mm. and, and the sort of the core things because we've gotten we've gotten so lost yep. in it and we have forgotten who we are. And so a lot of the work that I do is about redefining that identity and getting back to who God says you are versus what the pain says you are or what the trauma says you are. Mm. And so to me, a healthy identity is based in, at the very core, is just believing that you are made in the image of God, which comes with it, this inherent dignity and value and worth. Mm -hmm. And every human being has that. Every human being carries that. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're born, ethnicity, nothing. It's just, you are made in the image of God. The Bible tells us that. And then the second sort of part of our identity is that of being God's beloved. Mm. And so, especially like, as I think about your story, there's certain titles that we'll wear. Mm-hmm. So maybe like spouse, but that's a, that's a, uh, a title that can be taken away, right? right? It's a seasonal title. It's a sometimes. seasonal yeah, title. Absolutely. And so when we anchor our identity mm-hmm. in seasonal titles, we're going to, that's going to, that's not going to be a place where, um, it could be, it could be, our identity can be literally rocked. Right. It's there. Right. So maybe you've, you've anchored your identity in your career or some position or, um, you know, being a spouse and it, all that can be taken away. So Anchoring it in in the word beloved, yeah, wow. Knowing that okay, we are God's beloved because that will never change. Yeah. That is one hundred 
100% consistent, always, that is who we are. I think Brendan Manning says, you know, the only identity that ever made sense to him was that of being God's beloved oh. because it's the, it's the truest thing about us, right? And then another part of our identity would be our strengths and our gifts. And most people I, I know do not uh, honor or recognize their gifts and their strengths. Mm. Yeah. Like literally God designed you, knit you together in your mother's womb. He gave you these, these you know, like we're talking about the Enneagram, right? right and there's right. certain parts of, of who you are and your personality that it's like God put that there. And typically what we'll do is we'll, we'll, uh, We'll crap all over it. Yeah. Like, oh, that's oh, not yeah. important. Or we'll deny it or diminish it. I have, um, I would say, you know, when I was a kid, I, I was a, I'm a feeler. Right. And, you know, being a man, being, you know, grown, like, it's not, it's not cool to feel things. Like, no. you start yeah. crying when you're watching <laughs> Mercedes Benz commercials or. Sorry, I do it all the time. Right. So maybe. I'm highly yeah, emotive. <laughs> highly emotive. And being highly emotive as a male is just like, I go, hey, God, can you give me another strength yeah. or gift? Yeah. But so I've kind of, for much, for many years, I sort of denied that or sort of put that strength behind because I was uncomfortable with right. it or maybe society was judging it or whatever. Yeah. And re- not realizing, like, no, that is a gift and a strength mm. that I need to leverage in my work. That's how God designed me. So don't be ashamed of it. Embrace it. So a lot of times we have those strengths and gifts that we don't don't recognize and we're not sort of putting out there because we feel we've been judged or right. it doesn't fit. Right. So those that's our true identity, really helping people uh, tap into being made in the image of God, knowing that they're blessed we're the beloved and that we have real strengths and gifts that God has especially given us. But we don't typically operate from that place. We operate from a false identity, a false self. And that's where um, we have created a new identity because we believe this new identity will, will uh, help us be loved Mm. and help us fit in. And we won't be, see if they saw my true identity, I might be rejected and people might think it's weird. Versus saying so, we we create this new thing, and it's a it's a it's a coping mechanism, right? right? It's just our way of like again, we learn these things from a young age. Totally. Like, okay, I, if I'm like this, I act like this, I I'll perform like this. I'll be accepted in this group. I'll or be I'll, accepted in this group. Totally. Right? I'll yep. dress this certain way, or you know, I say these certain things. I'll be accepted. Wow. Uh, and so, just helping people first recognize when we're operating from our false self, and then getting anchored back into identity formation around our true self. Yeah, yeah. I think you even talk about in the book um, Jesus' temptations in Matthew 4 being identity temptations, mm. you know, and how almost, if you, I mean, if you think about it, every temptation that the, the enemy comes at us with are going to be in some form or fashion an identity temptation. You Absolutely. Know? I, I feel like the enemy is always trying to define us in a way that's right. not true right yep he'll use anything he can to to have us doubt who we really are yeah yeah absolutely and it's it's um it's it's powerful to think about when when you start to recognize the ploys of the enemy in that you know and he comes to jesus and he says if you're the son of god right Mm -hmm. questioning right even though right before jesus had just heard from the father (laughs) right you this is my son and in him i am well pleased pleased, you know so he's coming into temptation out of this place of um, the beloved, right, and the, and the son of the father, 
and he's going into temptation where he's going to be questioned. His identity is going to be questioned. And so, you know, there's got to be, so the covering that, that you're talking about trying to cover up, I, you know, different things about it's, it's all enveloped in this idea of shame. Mm. What, what have you noticed are some, uh, some things that, that people out of, well, first of all, you talk about a little bit about the shame and guilt, the mm-hmm. difference between those two kind of highlight that for us. What, cause I think people, they and say, you know, guilt and shame, guilt and yeah. shame. You know, I talk, when I'm preaching, I'm like, you know, I even be free from your guilt and shame. Like we uh-huh. just lump those together. Lump it together, right. What, what is the difference between those and how do we recognize what those are in our lives? Yeah, so uh, number one, Brene Brown, uh, who's an author and a researcher, has done some incredible work around the topic of shame. And I, I just encourage definitely like her books are amazing on this. But but to me, the, the difference between guilt and shame is – you know, guilt says I, I did something bad. Yeah. Where shame says I am bad. It mm. is. It literally is an attack of our our whole self, mm. our whole personhood. And I'll, the other big difference between guilt and shame is where guilt says I I have violated some value or something that's important to me, yeah. and I'm feeling this this thing inside of me that says, okay, I I can be better. I can make a different decision. It motivates me towards growth, okay? Right. And I actually think God can use guilt in our lives, like when we we violate right. our principles or we, like that can be a positive thing. I, I don't think it's ever a positive thing for us to guilt people, right? right. That right. That's not an effective tool. To, right, if it's know. like a condemning nature, but if it's like a, you know, for us, if God will use guilt as a convicting nature. A convicting like To draw us back to himself. Yeah, but and yeah. it creates growth. And right. that's really important because exactly. shame destroys growth. Yeah. It says, it's hopeless. I can't get better because I am bad. Right, exactly. And and so those, those are a couple of things. I, shame is, wow. You, you think about uh, Genesis and the, the story of, of Adam and Eve. Yep. And, you know, the sin was obviously a huge right. thing, right? right. Um, the disobedience to God. But it was really the shame mm. that created so much because they ran from God. Yeah, exactly. They wow. covered. They, they it, and and that literally is that's the destructive force of shame in our lives. Wow. And and the good news on this, and people kind of forget this, is that uh, shame is given to us. It comes through uh, maybe rejection. It mm. comes through an event. It comes through trauma. Like shame is given to us. And if it's given to us, then we can also give it back. Right. Mm. And so we aren't sort of forever having to live in this yep. shame. We can say, nope, I'm going back to who God says I am. I wow. want to be free. Take it back. Wow. Man. Well, it's even like, I mean, go back to Genesis. You've got Adam and Eve, they make fig leaves, they cover it up. And so it's in shame, they're covering themselves up. And even right there in that interaction with God, as he comes and goes, where are you? Yeah. He He then removes their fig leaves and, and he covers them yes. with animal skin, right? Yes. And they're, they're now they're hidden behind the, some scholars would say a sacrifice, right? Hidden mm-hmm. behind a sacrifice right there. What a, and what a powerful image of like what can happen right there as God begins to interact in your shame and as you begin to open that up. What, what would you, that being said, if there's someone listening right now and they are, they are caught in the middle of that place that, you know, you found yourself at one point where you're like, I don't, I, this, I shouldn't really share this or 
mm-hmm. afraid to talk about this and whatever situation that might be, what would you, what would you tell them? How would, how would you counsel them through, you know, they're in that, they're in that dark place where they're mm-hmm. just going, I, I'm so full of shame. I'm so full of this, you know, hiding, I don't, but I, I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid yeah. to, to expose it. Well, I think the first thing I, I would say and the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is really the question that, that Jesus posed to the, the paralyzed man at the, the healing pool that, you know, do you want to get well? Mm, wow. Because the reality is, uh, and I work with a lot of people like this, it's just easier to sit in our shame yep. and this, to, we've, we've become so comfortable and accustomed to this sort of life or this sort of expectation yeah. for life, or this is always the way it's going to be. And so stepping back and just being really radically honest with ourselves and say, do I really want to get well? And mm. if I do, if our, if my answer to that question is yes, then the next step is we have to do the work. Mm to get well. Okay. And, yep. and to me, that first step is really saying, Jesus, like, help me, Wow, yep. help me be free. Help me be not afraid. Help me, you know, bring people in. Like you have to start taking action Yeah, because again, the, the, the shame or sort of the victim mindset says like, no, just, just stay the way you are. Cause wow. things, why bother? Right. Yep. Yep. Things aren't going to change. Yeah. It will always Man. be like this. And so, you know, th- there's a lot of soul work, a lot of like, kind of simple questions, but really difficult questions we have to mm-hmm. ask ourselves. Um, you know, because it, it feels good to blame other people, yeah. right? It's like, well, I'm just going to be mad and angry because yep. of this event that happened in my life. I'm going to blame my parents. I'm going to blame my my ex-spouse. I'm going to blame, you know, the president, <laughs> whoever yeah. you want to blame. Like it gets the pain off of us, but it doesn't solve the problem. And so I just say like, do you want to get well? And if you do start doing the work and especially the strong sort of um, uh, chokehold of shame in our life is like, that's not easy work. No. Yeah. It, it's like I, I go to therapy for two hours a month. I have, um, I have been, I'm still healing. Yep. It's a process. Yep. Um, still working through these things, uh, but it's, it's a journey and it's a choice worth taking. Wow. That's so good. Man, this is great. All right. We don't have much time left. So what <laughs> well, I want to make, fast. I, I know, it. isn't that crazy? So what I want to do is I want to make sure that the listener knows where they can find you. Yeah. So obviously, first of all, people of the second chance the book this came out pretty recently uh right? yeah i i last september yeah so is it some so yeah. a year yeah, yeah it's been a year from this recording yeah wow that's incredible man and it's phenomenal and so tell Thank us you. just a tiny bit about the book what is what exactly are you laying out in the book here yeah to me the book is uh, if we could sit down for a couple hours and talk about your story and your life and maybe some of the things that you feel afraid about or or hurting in your your heart right now. It, it'd be like me taking you out to Starbucks for a couple hours yeah. and just say, let's talk about those things, and let's see if we can bring some freedom to those things. And and I try to be really practical, but also um, 
I think there's some things that will surprise people in the book in terms of it's not religious cliches. It's not sort of, you know, simple answers. Right. But I want to stir hope in people's lives. Right. And, I, and I, it's really that saying, you don't have to stay here. Yeah. You don't have to stay in your pain. You don't have to be angry. You, you like God. God wants to to use your story yeah. and unlock possibility in the biggest possible way. And so, it's really that. And um, I'm really proud of it. I'm, I love hearing the stories of how it's impacted yeah. people's lives. And um, yeah, it, it's available at Amazon and, and all yep. everywhere books are everywhere are books sold. are sold. Yep. Um, so which that's, is fun, you know, because not all my books are everywhere <laughs> books are sold. But <laughs> oh man, I'm so curious. You said something about a band book. I'm like, man, I want to. Okay, so the here's the deal. Book. Just Google me, Google Mike Foster. <laughs> I always tell people not to Google. My yeah, name. well, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like sometimes totally. Google brings up the oh, thing that man. you don't want people to oh. uh, the first thing them for them to know about you. But totally. um, yeah, the book and uh, secondchance.org is uh, the website where um, and all the different resources. Yeah. I have a training uh, that I do with leaders on how to be good heart handlers and how yeah. to coach and counsel people. Are, that's called Rescue Labs, right? Uh, Rescue Academy. Rescue Academy. Rescue Academy. Okay, cool. It used to be called Re- Rescue. They used to have Rescue Lab, which is the two-day work live workshop gotcha. that we do in San Diego, and then Rescue Academy, which is the online training oh, cool. and team kits. So now it's just all Rescue Academy and and um, awesome. But RescueAcademy.com. And then I've got a new uh, new podcast out called Fun Therapy with Mike Foster, yes. which is uh, just have some honest. Co- I, I don't allow anybody to come and do the, any talking points. Yeah, we're yeah. just going to talk about just kind talk. of the rawness of their story, and so talking to artists and musicians and Man. and leaders, and just kind of going to that that place. It's almost like the listeners like a little fly on the yeah, wall and they, yeah. during this therapy session. So uh, I was really, really proud of that too. That's awesome. That's the best. So again, people of the second chance by Mike Foster, um, pick it up. You can go, we, we are featuring as the resource of the month on davyblackburn.com this month. So scroll down to the bottom. You can buy it right there. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it anywhere books are sold and then take a Take a look at and dive into some of these resources because they're incredible. People of the second chance. It's an awesome thing. And um, and if you're if you're hurting, if you're in this place of walking through trial, you're walking through struggle, definitely get connected to this community um, somehow, shape, form, or fashion, because it will, it will de- it will it, you'll find freedom in this. And this is what we want for you. And so, man, thanks so much, Mike. My pleasure for joining man. us. This has been awesome. We're uh, let's do it again sometime. I, uh, I've so enjoyed the conversation, and and listen, I am so inspired by you, man, and your story, and how you're showing up in the world today. It's man. like you are the very example of what I'm trying to have happen in people's lives, and and so to me, you're like just this beautiful beacon of hope. So Thank it's you, been man. a pleasure. Thank you. That's that's an honor. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We'll catch you next time. thankful that Mike Foster was like so honest and open mm-hmm. with his story yeah. during that podcast. Yeah, it gives you a lot of freedom. Like, you know, when other people lead the way in transparency and authenticity, it's like, hey, I I can I can do that too. Yeah. And it like opens up the door for, you know, um 
for your your story to be different, like taking over your story and for it to take a different trajectory? Yeah, I think we've seen this like flesh out over every podcast episode, but I feel like every time I'm so surprised at the Lord's faithfulness mm. in seeing people discover the purpose in their pain. Wow. And I don't know why that's surprising to me <laughs> yeah. every time, but every time I'm floored by just like the miracles that the Lord can bring out of really crappy situations, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it doesn't matter, you know, like we talk about with Mike, doesn't matter if it's something that was done to you, yeah. something that you did. On either spectrum, you've got a story that needs to be rewritten. Right. And you're right, we do kind of get surprised by it, but I think that's the cool thing about God's stories mm-hmm. is they're so unlike and, and, a, and kind of beyond our ability to oh, create yeah. a story. We would never write them that way. We wouldn't way. be able to write that way. Yeah, it would to- be totally, yeah. So it's like... We get surprised by it every time. What a what a what a good gift to be able to be surprised by stories yeah. every time and make it make us go, wow, God, mm-hmm. again, you never cease to amaze. Yeah, it reminds so, me of his like creative nature. Also. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. So again, you need to pick up his book, uh, People of the Second Chance by Mike Foster. You can go to davyblackburn.com and just um, scroll down to the resources or you can go to davyblackburn.com slash resources. Mm-hmm. It'll be one of our featured resources right there. Make it easy and convenient for you to buy it. Purchase it for someone else. Um, I remember as I was reading it, I was like, there's so many people in my life that I want to give this book to mm-hmm. because it would just bless them. It would just help yeah. them so much as they're Every one of us wants a second chance, and we serve a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and et cetera chances. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank the Lord that we do. Yeah, praise. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, you can also find on that resource page a lot of other resources right? Um, that we've talked about here in all the podcast episodes. So yep. um, if at any point you're like, hmm, I wonder where I can find that book or whatever that is that we've talked about, you can find that on the resource page also. So navigate there. Um Hopefully, if you do have any questions, like we'd love to answer them for Absolutely. you, whether that's about the website or resources that are available or just the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your story, how this podcast has impacted you and helped yeah. you. Um, or honestly, if you're in the middle of your pain mm-hmm. um, and you just need some prayer, we would love to pray with you. So um, you can reach us at hello at Blackburn. Um, And then also, just so you guys know, um, the more that you rate and review this podcast, the more that it is available to other people because they'll see it Um, and um, it'll just pop up higher in whatever like listening platform you're using to listen to this. And also you guys can share it. So Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know already, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher. Yeah. So you can find us at all those platforms. You can point other people to it, um, whatever that looks like. But again, we'd love to hear from you. Um, We'd love for you to rate and review so that this can get in more people's hands. Yeah. And of course, all the music has been provided by Sleeping at Last. Make sure you listen to him or download his music wherever music can be streamed or downloaded. And thanks again for listening to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Let's take a listen to an excerpt from the next episode right now. So I get out in 2010, 2011, I'm part of this church called Overflow Church in Benton Harbor, and they're doing this event called H3, Hoops, Hip Hop, and Hot Dogs. Mm. Uh, And it's in Broadway Park, which is a a park where I've, uh, you know, when I was a police officer, I had pulled dead bodies out of there. Mm. Um, I had chased drug dealers through there. 
a lot of bad things happen in this park. Yet on this day, there's these kids are getting their faces painted, basketball tournaments going on, and there's yeah. some arguments about the foul calls, but there's there's not like fights <laughs> not or anything. Fights like it's a cool atmosphere. Yeah. There's some hip hop, local hip hop artists doing their thing. And then as I'm standing by the snow cone machine, I see this man coming at me. <laughs> and like I tell people, like he was not running, but he was like a power walker, you know? Like it was walking with the purpose. He, yeah, he was walking with an absolute purpose, you know? And, and and I started rifling through my mind because I, I recognized him immediately, but I couldn't remember his name. I'm like, what's his name? What's his name? And as he was getting closer, I wanted, I knew that I had sent him to prison. Mm. I, I, I couldn't remember all the details, but I knew I had done him wrong. Mm. And I really wanted to honor him by saying his name. And I, so I was like, what is his name? What is his name? And he reached out and I was thinking, oh, this is cool. Mm. Like, we're about to shake hands. <laughs> like, like, because I felt like God had called me back to Ben Harbor to be reconciled. Yeah, like, right. that's why I'm in this park. Not because I hope I die today. Right. Like, my, my four-year-old daughter is here, five, whatever she was. Like, I don't want her to see her daddy be murdered. Like, mm. I want to be here to be reconciled. And mm. God is obviously brought him right here for me. Boom. You know, all about me, right? Here's a moment. So, yep, all about you. So he reaches out <laughs> his hand and I'm like, oh, so cool. So I grab his hand and he grab, he squeezed, like almost broke my little fingers. Wow. Like I joke with people that Jamel shakes forearms. He doesn't shake hands. So <laughs> he's got a big, big pair of paws on. So <laughs> I, uh, he, he said to me, the first thing he said to me was, tell me, tell me why my, my son missed, or tell my son his son was standing right there with mm-hmm. him. He said, tell my son why he missed out on years of his daddy's life. Mm. 